Section 1, Chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Elementary Theosophy by L. W. Rogers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Theosophy. Rediscovery is one of the methods of progress. Very much that we believe to be original with us at the time of its discovery or invention proves in time to have been known to earlier civilizations. The elevator, or lift, is a very modern invention, and we supposed it to be a natural development of our civilization, with its intensive characteristics, until a antiquarian startled us with the announcement that it was used in Rome over two thousand years ago, not of course as we use it, but for the same purpose and involving the same principles. A half a century ago our scientific men were enthusiastic over the truths of evolution that were being discovered and placed before Western civilization, but as we learn more and more of the thought and intellectual life of the Orient, it becomes clear that the idea of evolution permeated that part of the world centuries ago. Even the most recent and startling scientific discoveries occasionally serve to prove what we suppose to be fantastic beliefs of the ancients were really truths of nature that we were not yet able to comprehend. The transmutation of metals is an example. We have already gone far enough in that direction to show that the alchemists of old were not the foolish superstitious people we supposed them to be. We have given far too little credit to past civilizations, and we are coming to understand now that we have rated them too low. Our modesty must necessarily increase as it becomes clearer that much of our supposed contribution to the world's progress is not invention but rediscovery. We are beginning to see that it is not safe to put aside without examination an idea or a belief that was current in the world thousands of years ago. Like the supposed folly of the alchemists, it may contain profound truths of nature that have thus far been foreign to our modes of thinking. Theosophy is both very old and very new. Very old because the principles it contains were known and taught in the oldest civilizations, and very new because it includes the latest investigations of the present day. It is sometimes said, by those who desire to speak lightly of it, that it is a philosophy borrowed from the Buddhists, or at least from the Orient. That is, of course, an erroneous view. It is true that the Buddhists hold some beliefs in common with theosophists. It is also true that Methodists hold some beliefs in common with Unitarians. But that does not show that Unitarianism was borrowed from Wesley. When different people study the same facts of nature, they are likely to arrive at substantially the same conclusions. Theosophy is based upon certain truths of nature. Those who study those truths and formulate a belief from them must reasonably be expected to resemble theosophists in their views. Buddhism is not unique in resembling theosophy. In the same list may be placed the Vedanta philosophy, the Kabbalah of the Jews, the teachings of the Christian Gnostics, and the philosophy of the stoics the more general charge must also be denied theosophy is not something transplanted from the orient it belongs to the race as the earth does and cannot be localized even to a continent as it is taught today in europe and america it is probably unknown to the masses of the orient for the great general truths it embodies have here the special application and peculiar emphasis required by a totally different civilization but that theosophical principles were earlier known and more widely accepted in the Orient is quite true. The fact can in no possible way lessen their value to us. 
precisely the same thing is true of the principles of mathematics the science of mathematics reached european civilization directly from the arabs but we do not foolishly decline to make use of the knowledge on that account the literal meaning of the word theosophy is self-evident knowledge of god it has three aspects determined by the different ways in which the human being acquires knowledge through the study of concrete facts by the study of the relationship of the individual consciousness to its source and through the use of reasoning faculties in constructing a logical explanation of life and its purpose in one aspect it is therefore a science it deals with the tangible with the facts and phenomena of the material scientist and makes its appeal to the evidence of the physical senses in another aspect it is a religion it deals with the relationship between the source of all consciousness and its multiplicity of individual expressions with the complex relationships that arise between these personalities with the duties and obligations which thus come into existence with the evolution of the individual consciousness and its ultimate translation to higher spheres in its other aspect it is a philosophy of life it deals with man his origin his evolution his destiny it seeks to explain the universe and to throw a flood of light upon the problem of existence that will enable those who study its wisdom to go forward in their evolution rapidly safely and comfortably instead of blundering onward in the darkness of ignorance reaping as they go the painful harvests of misdirected energy while theosophy is distinctly a science and a philosophy it is not in the same full sense a religion it has its distinctive religious aspect it is true but when we speak of a religion we usually have in mind a certain set of religious dogmas and a church that propagates them theosophy is a universal thing like mathematics a body of natural truths applicable to all phases of life it sees all religions as equally important as peculiarly adapted to the varying civilizations in which they are found and it presents a synthesis of the fundamental principles upon which all of them rest from all of this it will be seen that there is a vast difference between theosophy and theology theosophy declares the immortality of man but not as a religious belief it appeals to the scientific facts in relation to the nature of consciousness it knows no such word as faith as it is ordinarily used its faith arises from the constancy of natural law the balance and sanity of nature and the harmonious adjustment of the universe theosophy is very ancient in that it is the great fund of ancient wisdom about man and his earth that has come down through countless centuries reaching far back into prehistoric times but added to that hoary wisdom are the up-to-date facts that have been acquired by its most successful students who have evolved their consciousness to levels transcending the physical senses facts which however do not derive their authority from the method of their discovery but from their inherent reasonableness a detailed discussion of such methods of consciousness and the proper value to be placed upon such investigations rightly belongs to another chapter it is enough now to warn the reader against the error of confusing the pronouncements of pseudo-psychism with the work of the psychic scientists who have already done much toward placing a scientific foundation beneath the universal hope of immortality the eminence of god the antagonism between scientific and religious thought was the cause of the greatest controversy in the intellectual world in the nineteenth century 
if the early teaching of the christian church had not been lost the conflict could not have arisen the gnostic philosophers who were the intellect and heart of the church had a knowledge of nature so true that it could not possibly come into collision with any fact of science but unfortunately they were enormously outnumbered by the ignorant and the authority passed wholly into their hands it was inevitable that misunderstanding should follow the gross materialization of the early teaching the superstition the bigotry and the persecution of the middle ages was a perfectly natural result that perverted materialistic view has come down to us and even now gives trend to the religious thought of western civilization of that degradation of the early teaching the encyclopedia britannica says the conception of god as wholly external to man a purely mechanical theory of creation is throughout christendom regarded as false to the teaching of the new testament as also to the christian experience it is indeed false to the teaching of the christ but if it is so regarded throughout christendom it is only on the part of its scholars most certainly not by the masses of the people the popular conception is undeniably that the relationship between god and man is identical with that between an inventor and an animated machine it is an absolutely anthropomorphic view of the supreme being and thinks of god as being apart from man in precisely the same sense that a father is apart from his son it may be an exalted idealized conception of the relationship of the father and son but it is nevertheless just that relationship and along that line runs practically all the teaching and preaching of those who speak officially in modern religious interpretation emerson sought to counteract that popular misconception but he was regarded as a heretic by all but an infinitesimal portion of the church the idea of the immanence of god is as different from the popular conception as noontide is different from midnight it is so radically different that one who accepts that ancient belief must put aside his old ideas of what man is and raise him in dignity and potential power to a level that will at first seem actually startling for it means in its uttermost significance that god and man are but two phases of the one eternal life and consciousness that constitute our universe the idea of the eminence of god is that he is the universe that the solar system is an emanation of the supreme being as clouds are an emanation of the sea and that the relationship between god and man is not merely that of father and son but also that of the ocean and raindrop this conception makes man a part of god having potentially within him all the attributes and powers of the supreme being it is the idea that nothing exists except god and that humanity is one portion of him and one phase of his being as clouds are one expression of the waters that constitute the sea the eminence of god is a conception of the universe that puts science and religion into perfect harmony with each other because miraculous creation disappears and evolutionary creation takes its place although the anthropomorphic idea of god has such widespread dominion in occidental thought the eminence of god is plainly taught and repeatedly emphasized in the christian scriptures for in him we live and move and have our being is certainly very explicit and admits of no anthropomorphic interpretation it could not be said that a son lives and moves in his father the declaration presents the relationship of a lesser consciousness with a greater and constituting part of it 
the essentially divine nature of man is made clear in the declaration in genesis that he is an image of god to say that the likeness is on the material side would of course be absurd in divine essence in latent power in potential spirituality man is an image of god because he is part of him the same idea is more directly put in the psalms with the assertion ye are gods footnote psalms eighty two verse six End footnote. if the idea of the eminence of god is sound man as a literal fragment of the consciousness of the supreme being is an embryo god destined to ultimately evolve his latent powers into perfect expression the oneness of life was explicitly asserted by jesus in his teaching emerson's teaching of the eminence of god is unmistakable in both his prose and poetry there is no bar or wall he says in the soul where man the effect ceases and god the cause begins still more explicitly he puts it the realms of being to no other bow not only all are thine but all are thou the statement is as complete as it is emphatic not only all are thine but all are thou it's an unqualified assertion that humanity is a part of god as leaves are part of a tree not something a tree has created in the sense that a man creates a machine but something that is an emanation of the tree and is a living part of it thus only has god made man humanity is a growth a development an emanation an evolutionary expression of the supreme being it is upon the unity of all life that theosophy bases its declaration of universal brotherhood regarding it as a fact in nature the immanence of god gives a scientific basis of morality the theosophical conception is that men are separated in form but are united in the one consciousness which is the life base of the universe their relationship to each other is somewhat like that of the fingers to each other they are separate individuals on the form side but they are united in the one consciousness that animates the hand if we imagine each finger to possess a consciousness of its own which is limited to itself and cannot pass beyond the hand we shall have a fair analogy of the unity and identity of interests of all living things under such circumstances an injury to one finger would not appear to the others as an injury to them but if the finger consciousness could be extended to the hand the reality of the injury to all would be apparent likewise an injury to any human being is literally an injury to the race the race does not recognize the truth of it just because and only because of the limitation of consciousness lowell put the fact clearly when he said he's true to god who is true to man whoever wrong is done to the humblest and weakest neath all beholding sun that wrong is also done to us and they are slaves most base whose love of right is for themselves and not for all the race he's true to god who's true to man because they are one life because they are but different expressions of the one eternal consciousness because they are as inseparable as the light and warmth of the sun it follows that being true to man is fidelity to god the popular idea is that people should be moral because that sort of conduct is pleasing to the supreme being and that he will in the life beyond physical existence in some way punish those who have broken the moral laws 
it is belief in an external authority that threatens punishment as a deterrent to law-breaking as a state devises penalties commensurate with offences but the eminence of god represents a condition in which not punishments but consequences automatically follow all violations of natural law under such state of affairs it would require no penalties but only knowledge to ensure right conduct for it would be perceived that there is no possible escape from the consequences of an evil act it is not difficult to see the relative value of the two systems of thought when put to practical test in human affairs imagine an unscrupulous man of great mental capacity who is amassing an enormous fortune through sharp practices that enable him to acquire the earnings of others while he safely keeps just within the limits of the law we can point out to him that while he is not violating the law and cannot therefore be prosecuted he is nevertheless inflicting injury upon others and consequently public opinion will condemn him but such a man usually cares nothing at all for public opinion and sees no good reason why he should not continue his injurious work but if he can be made to understand that all life is one and that we are so knit together in consciousness that an injury to another must ultimately react upon the person who inflicts it if he once clearly understands that to enslave another is to put chains upon himself that to maim another is to strike himself he will require neither the fear of an exterior hell nor the threat of legal penalties to induce him to follow a moral course he would see that his own larger and true self-interest could be served only when his conduct was in harmony with the welfare of all it is but a simple statement of truth to say that the eminence of god furnishes a scientific basis of morality the evolution of the soul if we accept the idea of the eminence of god we shall be forced to abandon belief in a miraculous instantaneous creation of man and the earth on which he exists the old absurd unscientific impossible idea that the race came from an original human pair must be replaced by the hypothesis of the evolution of the soul it was about the fact of evolution that the great storm of controversy raged between scientists and theologians in the middle of the nineteenth century and later the evolutionary truths were not at first well understood they seemed to question or deny the existence of god deep within humanity is intuitive religious belief it is a natural faith that transcends all facts like the faith of a child in its mother because evolution was contrary to all perceived ideas of the earth's inception it seemed at first to shatter faith and destroy hope and against fact and reason itself rose the protest of intuition with spiritual intensity people felt more than they reasoned and cried out that science was about to destroy the belief in god but time has proved that they had merely misinterpreted the meaning of evolution further understanding has shown that instead of destroying the belief in god evolution has given us a new and better understanding of the whole matter and has placed the hope of immortality on firmer ground than it previously occupied evolution is an established and generally accepted fact no educated person now thinks of questioning it it is settled beyond dispute that all things in the physical world have become what they are through a long slow gradual evolution and that organisms the most perfect in form and most complex in function have evolved from simpler ones the age of miracle has passed 
and belief in miracle has passed so far as its relation to the material world is concerned it is no longer necessary to have a belief in an anthropomorphic god performing feats in defiance of natural law in order to account for that which exists science has reduced the cosmos to comprehension and shown that given nebulous physical matter we can understand how the earth came into existence but why should we stop with the application of laws of evolution to material things only the outright materialists who asserts that life is a product of matter can logically do so and so great an authority in the scientific world as sir oliver lodge has asserted that there is no longer any such thing as scientific materialism footnote raymond life or death End footnote. those who accept the idea of the existence of the soul at all must necessarily accept the idea of the evolution of the soul how can consciousness possibly escape the laws that evolve the media for the expression of consciousness there must be the evolution of mind as certainly as there is evolution of matter the material and the spiritual form and life are inseparable indeed scientific progress has now brought us to the point where matter as such practically disappears and we are face to face with the fact that matter is really but a manifestation of force how then is it longer possible to speak of the soul and not accept the evolution of the soul psychology is no less a science than physiology the phenomena of the consciousness are as definitely studied as physical phenomena and it is no more difficult to account for the myriad souls than to account for a million suns and their planets the scientists who have taken the position that the universe has a spiritual side as well as a material side are among the most eminent and distinguished of the modern world if evolution has produced the starry heavens from the material side it has likewise evolved the human souls of our world and others from the spiritual side it is no more difficult to understand the one than the other from the scientific viewpoint of the old popular belief in the creation of the earth and the race by an act suddenly accomplished is of course preposterous if we could know nothing back of the present moment and were called upon to account for the world as we see it with its cities its ships and railways its cultivated fields and parks many people who still believe in instantaneous creation of the soul would save themselves much mental exertion by declaring that god had made it all as it stands for the use and entertainment of man but we know that it is utterly absurd to think of the world leaping into existence instantaneously nothing existing one day and all trains running on time between ready-made cities the next carrying ready-made people about it sounds ridiculous only because we are putting it in material terms but in very truth it is less ludicrous than thinking of the instantaneous creation of the creators of cities and railways the idea that we are a sudden creation is only possible because of the very vague ideas of what human souls are the chief difficulty with the popular notion that a human soul is as new as the body it inhabits is that it is a vague and indefinite conception of life and the moment we begin to think seriously about it the weakness of the idea becomes apparent such a notion has no relationship to the processes of reasoning how can one reason with a man who believes it possible for a soul to spring into existence from the void what is the use in reasoning about the whys and wherefores when it settles the whole matter to say god did it 
one thing that prevents us from believing not only that millions of souls were created in the twinkling of an eye but also that the world as it is now was likewise suddenly created is that we happen to know quite definitely the history of the world a little way into its past and that history affirms that the earth and all life on it is the product of slow evolutionary growth the evolution of the soul places the realm of religion on a scientific basis not only the origin of the soul but its development and its destiny at once appear in new light the mind is instinctively impressed with the dignity of the idea of the evolution of the soul which with its corollary the eminence of god makes the divinity of man a fact in nature end of section one chapters one through three